Welcome to the podcast of Hope Church in East Hampton, Connecticut. Thanks for listening. Our desire is to help you advance in your faith journey no matter where you are. For more information on our church, please check out cthope.com. Good morning, Hope Church. My name is Carrie. I'm an occasional teacher here at Hope, and we're so glad that you are joining us this week. I know many of you were able to come last week to the parking lot service we had, and I know that was just an incredible moment to, to be together, and I hope that you were able to just to participate that in that and enjoy it. Um, this week, we are uh, back to online, but I am still excited that you could be here with us. And I wanted to ask you guys, um, how many of you right now feel like you're waiting on something? I know that I am. I feel like our whole lives really end up being a series of waiting on different things. You know, when we're little, you know, we're waiting, we're waiting until we get a little older, we're waiting until we could sit at the big kid table or have a later bedtime or, uh, you know, be able to get our, our driver's license and get our first job and maybe pay our first bills. As we get older, we're, we're still waiting. Um, I know for, for adults, you know, it's still, maybe we're waiting on the perfect romantic relationship or waiting to buy our first home, waiting for a child. Maybe you're waiting for, for a college to get back to you or a sports team that you've applied for, um, waiting to hear back from something. We're waiting a lot. Uh, now, thankfully, at least in my life, a lot of the things I'm waiting for have deadlines. And I really appreciate deadlines because I feel like I can sort of, I can work with that, I can control it a little bit, I know when something's coming, it's easier to wait. This is why I think Amazon does so well. Okay, I'm gonna order something, when am I gonna get my package? In two days, it's amazing. And you can track it all along the way. In fact, I have some packages through Amazon that you can actually, um, they will show you like where the delivery truck is in relation to your house. So it'll say, uh, your stop is, is three stops away. And I can get almost like a minute by minute play of when my package is arriving. And that is incredible. But I've also had the opposite happen with um, a package recently through FedEx. They, um, you know, they said, oh, your package will arrive on Tuesday. Well, Tuesday came and went. And then Wednesday came and they said, your package is arriving on Wednesday. Except Wednesday came and went, no package. And finally, Thursday, I had this like error message that was like, uh, there was a delivery exception, whatever that means. And they said, delivery time unavailable. And I was like, oh, what, what, what does that mean? What do I, what do, I do with, with delivery time unavailable? I'm supposed to know when that package is coming. And I could not handle not being able to have a deadline. Um, I think about this in other ways. You know, if you were to go to a restaurant and you order food and you're sitting there waiting patiently for your food to come and you ask the waitress, hey, you know, can you give me an idea of when our food might be ready? And what would we do if she's like, ooh, I would, but I, I hate to spoil the surprise. Like, we, we, we want to know. That's, we we want to have something to go off of. We need details sometimes, um, and we expect that. I know right now we are in the, the throes of election season, and I'm trying to teach my kids right now as we homeschool um, what the election is about and what, what it means to be running for different offices. And so I've been saving all the, the little flyers and ads that we get in the mail um, that I'm sure you're being inundated with too. But I'm, I'm showing the kids, you know, each person that is running for an office is running on a platform. They're trying to um, cast a vision for how they want to change or improve the country, our state, our, our, country, our capital, whatever it is. Um, and so they have a vision and they're gonna let us know th their vision so that we can choose 
whether we want to vote for them or not. Um, so if we, had, if we had a politician or even or any leader who said, vote for me, follow me, um, I'm going to change something and I'll let you know after you vote for me what it is, we'd be like, well, wait, what, what? What are you changing? When is it going to happen? And if they were like, you'll find out. Yeah, that wouldn't fly with us because we're not going to follow someone if we don't know where they're going. I don't think we do well with uncertainty, right? We don't do well when we don't have um, a, a deadline or, a, or some kind of um, understanding of what is happening. And it's part of why I know COVID has just been a wearying process for us, you know, because at first it was like, oh, just wait two more days, a week, this is all gonna be over. And then it was, okay, a couple more months, or maybe just until we get a vaccine, or, you know, at least until the world runs out of toilet paper. Like, we just wanna have answers. And we're, we're stuck in this waiting, we're stuck in this uncertainty, and that's very difficult for us. And yet, I think that often stories of uncertainty are the catalyst for great stories of faith. Stories of uncertainty can actually be the catalyst for great stories of faith. And the ambiguity and uncertainty actually reminds me of someone in the Bible, um, a couple, Abram and Sarai, that you, we've, we've talked about before, but I believe that there's a lot of things we can pull out from their story to help us in this season. So I wanna go through just Abram and Sarai's journey a little bit with you guys and talk about some, some things that I hope will encourage and challenge you in your own season of waiting, wherever that is. So if you wanna follow along, we're gonna start in Genesis 12, one through five. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. So first of all, I want to stop and just say, um, if you noticed in the first verse of this passage, uh, God gives Abram a very vague calling. He says, go to a land I will show you. Okay, you can Google a lot of things, but that is not something you can Google. I, I, where, where is that? Where is God taking Abram? We don't know, right? And one of the first things I would say is, based on this passage, do not compare your call to someone else's. We cannot compare a call to someone else's. Um, you know, if I look at other characters, other, other um, people in the Bible, um, Moses, Moses gets like a burning bush, and God speaks specifically to him and says, go to, go to Pharaoh, here's what you're going to say. Jonah, same deal. He gets, he gets a specific call, go to, go to Nineveh, and here's what you're going to say. Um, Noah, Noah who built the ark, gets such detailed directions from God that he is able to build a, a boat the size of um, a field, a one and a half football fields. Like that is a massive boat and that requires very specific directions. And I'm thinking, how come all these other people got detailed directions and Abram gets, go to this place I will show you. 
And I know in my own life, a lot of times I've looked around, and maybe you have too, and you've, you've heard of people who have these callings or these, these ministry dreams or these, you know, vocation plans or, or you know, like just, they're like, I want to adopt, I want to, I want to save uh, children who are being trafficked, and they have these, these very specific things that they want to do for God. Um, and I, I laugh sometimes I feel like, you know, people have these crazy stories of, you know, I didn't even want to be a pastor, but then, you know, someone said to me, you're going to be a pastor. And the next week, I get a call from this church accidentally, but by the end of the conversation, they hired me, and that's how, that's how I am where I am today. Or I, you know, I've had specific friends who, who hear God, like God tells them, I want you to go to this person and say this to them, and, um, and they do, and, and God changes someone's life through that. And I think, I think God, how come, how come you don't speak that way to me? And maybe, maybe you find yourself doing that, comparing your calling, your story to somebody else's. And the truth is that our, our, our calling from God is going to look different. In fact, God, as we'll see in this story with Abram, will speak to even us in different ways over time. But God definitely wants to speak to each and every one of us. Um, I remember, so I'm in the middle of a crazy week right now. Uh, we've been waiting for, I've been waiting for over two years really to, to be fostering again. And that was something I prayed so long and hard for. And, um, and, and now finally we're in a place where we are able, we are currently are able to foster a child. Um, and yet during the, during the height of the waiting, when I didn't know what God was doing and I couldn't see his answers, I remember looking at God and being like, you know, Mary, you know, when, when you told Mary that she was gonna have a child, you sent an angel to her and she got very, specific directions about what was going to happen and when it was going to happen and what she should do. And I'm like, well, God, if you sent me an angel, I think I would listen. I think I would probably trust you and follow you. And I clearly remember that God said to me, you know, Carrie, I could send you 20 angels. Is my spirit not enough for you? Because the truth is that when we believe in God, when we trust in him, he sends us his spirit to live in us and to, to speak to us, to give us the mind of Christ. And, and God is speaking to me. He was speaking to me, and I, I needed to just trust what he was doing. And for each and every one of you, God wants to speak and tell you things that you don't know, that you haven't heard before. He wants to call you out to do things with him, to work with him, and to be with him. And so I would challenge you just to learn to listen to that voice. And sometimes it takes practice. And sometimes the, the best thing we can do is just say, you know, this is what I think God is saying, just like Abram did. And just act on what we believe God is saying right now and trust him to give us more as we go forward. Um, and so again, that's what Abram did. He, he just set out for this journey and God provided more answers as he went. So we'll see that as we continue the journey in Genesis 12, six through eight. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moriah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. And from there, he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. So again, Abram's on this ridiculous journey, doesn't know where he's going, but as we'll see, God keeps giving him new revelation, keeps giving him new breadcrumbs to follow on this trail where, where he's leading. Um, and so this revelation now is a little more specific. Now he's saying not just go to a place I will show you, he's saying the land you're on now, this is going to be your inheritance, this is going to be for your, for your family down the road. 
And I want to stop for a minute and point out here, um, Abram is, is a great man of faith. And in fact, he and his wife are both you know, listed in Hebrews as, as uh, people we can emulate who had great faith. And yet they were also very, very human, okay? And, and we're, we're making mistakes as well. And I think it's funny that Abram has such an incredible moment of faith in following God to this ambiguous location. But then shortly after that, he has what I would consider um, a very great moment of idiocy. Um, because right after this moment, he ends up going to Egypt. There's a famine, and he has to head to Egypt during the famine. And while he's there, he's afraid that he's going to get killed because his wife is so beautiful. He thinks someone's going to want to have her as, as their wife, and they're going to kill me to get her. So I should pretend that she's my sister so I don't get killed, right? And that's what he does. And sure enough, the Egyptians think she's beautiful. Pharaoh ends up taking her home, Sarai home to be his wife. And God actually has to send like diseases on the, the people in Pharaoh's household so that Pharaoh will finally, uh, you know, realize that this is, this is not good. He has taken someone else's wife to be his own. And so he, he figures this out and he lets Sarai go back and he, and he sends Abram and Sarai on their way. Um, it's all a little Jerry Springer for me, but, this happens not just once, but almost the exact same story plays out later on for Abram, where he goes to another land, the same thing. He pretends that Sarai is his wife so that, um, so that he won't be killed. And I keep thinking, if someone like Abram had enough faith to follow God to some ambiguous location, shouldn't he have enough faith to believe that God's going to keep him alive till he gets there? Shouldn't he have enough faith to believe that God's going to keep him alive to, to create a family through him? But instead of being overly critical of Abram, I look at this story and I'm reminded that, you know what? A lot of times we think that the, the promise depends on us. We think the promise depends on our faithfulness or our performance, and it doesn't. Okay, God, God was able to work through Abram, not because Abram was perfect, not because Abram didn't ever disobey, but because God is God, and he can take whatever faith we have, and he's gonna, he's gonna honor his promise regardless of, of the mistakes that we sometimes make. Um, so we're going to jump ahead a little later to the story now. Genesis chapter 13, verses 1 through 4. So Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife and everything he had, and Lot went with him. Abram had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and gold. From the Negev, he went to a place, from place to place until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai, where his tent had been earlier and where he had first built an altar. And there, Abram called on the name of the Lord. And I love that um, as he's traveling back through where he came before, he recognizes this altar that he had built to God, and he calls on the name of the Lord again. And it's kind of like this touchstone, this, this reminder of, of his faith with God and the promises that God has given him. Um, and I'll, we'll, we'll come back to that a little bit later on in the message. But um, at this point in the story, he's been traveling with his nephew Lot, but they both have these, these livestock, these herds, and the, the land cannot support both of their herds. So at this point, he separates from his nephew. Um, and so in, verse, in chapter 13, verses 14 through 18, we continue the story. The Lord said to Abram after Lot had parted from him, look around from where you are to the north and the south, to the east and the west. All the land that you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go, walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. So Abram went to live near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron, where he pitched his tents, and there he built an altar to the Lord. 
we keep seeing that theme, that he builds another altar to God. Um, and you see again here, again, God is getting very specific. Now it's not just go to a place I will show you. This is the vague land that you're going to get. He's saying, I want you to physically walk the length and breadth of this space. This is what's going to be yours. This is my promise and my inheritance for you and your kids. Um, and I love that, that God continues to reveal more and more to Abram. Um, and notice also as we go through this that God speaks in many different ways to Abram. Um, and I think that's a really cool thing for us to notice. And it's significant for, for our own journeys. So we're going to skip now to chapter 15, verse 1 through 8. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me? Since I remain childless, and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant of my household will be my heir. And the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. And he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land, to take possession of it. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? So it's interesting, it's interesting to me in this passage that this is the first time we're seeing Abram actually question God, ask questions of God. Um, you know, he's, he's been following God. He's been trying to do everything that God said. And he's getting to this point where he's like, okay, God, you keep saying I'm going to have kids. You keep talking a big talk. But I have no evidence yet that you're going to act. So how do I know that you're going to give me this child? And God gives, him, God gives him a reminder of the promise. And he specifically says, you're going to have a child of your own. And then God, Abram also says, okay, you keep saying too that I'm going to inherit this land, but how do I know? How do I know this is from you? Um, and I think that, I think sometimes I've done that in my own life. I've said, okay, God, I, I feel like I'm hearing you say this, but I don't understand. Can you clarify this? Um, am I misunderstanding you? Are you, um, are you saying something different? And I kind of grew up thinking, well, I don't want to put God to the test. I don't want to question God too much because he's God and I'm not really supposed to ask questions, but I really don't believe that that's what God wants from us. I, I think that God, he's so relational. He, he wants us to come to him with our burdens, with our questions, with our doubts and our wrestles. And when we ask him boldly, I believe he answers that. I believe he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And that's what he does for Abraham. Um, in fact, after, after he asks these questions, um, God gives Abraham this vision, kind of a prophecy of hundreds of years down the road and what's going to happen to to the Israelites, to Abram's offspring. And he says, yeah, they're going to be oppressed uh, and they're going to live in this land for many, many years under oppression, but I will free them from that and I will give them the promise. And, and it's this reminder to Abram that God does know, that he does see, that he is listening and that he does have the answers, even if Abram doesn't have them all right now. And so I would just encourage you, take your questions to God. Um, he wants to reveal more to you. In fact, it, it reminds me a little bit of King David, who actually was um, a descendant of Abram's much later on uh, because God's, God promised him, kings are going to come from you. And King David at one point wants to build a temple for the Lord. And the prophet comes to David and says, you know, you're not going to be the one to build the temple, but your son, your son is going to build the temple for God. And David is so excited by this revelation that he says in First Chronicles 17, 25, 
you, my God, have revealed to your servant that you will build a house for him. So your servant has found courage to pray to you. Your servant has found courage to pray to you. Sometimes I believe God wants to give us revelation, to give us that courage to come boldly before his throne. And a lot of times I'll find myself just saying, God, I just need something, uh, you know, a, a verse from you, just a thought from you, a word from you, just to hold on to you right now. Because when we get into places where we're waiting a long time and we're weary, God can give us those, those moments with him to know that he's still working, that he is still speaking, and that he has the answers even if we don't. But I'll be honest, the waiting is hard. The waiting is hard, and sometimes when we're in the middle of a very long wait, um, we get weary, and we get discouraged, and we start to take things into our own hands. And in this story, a spoiler alert here, um, from, the, from the time that Abram is called, he's 75 years old, but the time he really gets the promise from God, any part of the promise, he's 99 years old. So this story takes at least 24 years to unfold. That is a lot of waiting. That is a lot of waiting, and somewhere in the process, he and Sarai both became discouraged and decided, all right, we gotta do this a different way. Maybe, maybe we need to take this into our own hands. And so we see that in Genesis 16, one through two. It says, now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go, sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarai had said. And you notice here, Sarai kind of blames God. She's like, well, the Lord has kept me from having kids. Almost like he said he would give us kids, but he's not. So maybe he wants us to do something different here. You know, maybe we need to kind of find a practical solution for his promise because he's just not coming through. Um, and they do. They, um, Abram takes Sarai's servant to be his wife, and in that culture that was something that would happen sometimes, um, and the, the child of the servant would become part of, of really Sarai's children. Um, and so Hagar does marry Abram, and she has a son, Ishmael, and it ends up being sort of, it's, it's this long story, but it's, it's, it causes division in the family, it causes strife, there's a lot of negative things that come through that moment of them taking things into their own hands. Um, and the saga continues in Genesis 17, one through five. Uh, this is years later, Abram's 99 years old and Ishmael's already a growing boy. And the Lord appears to him again and says, I am God Almighty, walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down and said to him, and God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. And he follows this up in verse 15 through 19 by saying, as for, your, as for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And Abraham said to God, If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. And God said, Yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. 
And what's interesting to me here is that both Abraham and Sarah were bartering down with God. They were, they were asking God for less than what he actually promised. Now, I have three kids, and I will assure you that when I offer them something, they will never barter down. They will always barter up. If I say, you can have 30 more minutes of electronics, rest assured they will ask me for an hour and a half. If I say, okay, you can have one cookie now, they're going to ask me if a dozen might be more appropriate. They're going to talk up, right? They're going to try to, to ask for more. Um, and yet we see that in the weariness, in the waiting, Abraham, Abraham and Sarah both were doing the opposite. They were settling. They were saying, God, I know you promised us this, but, but meh, I would, I would settle for this at this point. I don't, I don't really need you to come through on your full promise. I, you know, I, I will settle for something that makes human sense to us. Um, and we barter down with God. Do you notice this in your own life? I, I certainly have, have found this. There are times in my life where, where I'm waiting on God and I start to think, you know what? Yeah, I'm gonna take over for a little bit. I think, I think I'll just do things this way. I'll, I'll do things my way. And whenever I do that, I feel like I, I can tell that things start falling apart. Things do not go as they should. It creates, it creates anger, it creates problems that I wasn't expecting in it, and it diminishes what God really wants to do. And God's calling us back to say, I want you to believe me for everything I've said to you. Not, the, not a fraction of the promise, but the full thing. Um, and shortly after this time, actually, um, God, God does honor his, his promise. Um, he, he returns to visit Abram uh, sorry, Abraham and the form of three visitors. And these three strangers come and they tell Abraham specifically, this time next year, your wife's gonna have a child. And I'm like, that, there it is. There's the specific deadline that I've been waiting for in this whole story, but Abraham finally gets it. And sure enough, the next year, in chapter 21, verse 1 through 2, it says, Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. And they named their child Isaac, which means laughter. And I think that's kind of a, a beautiful beautiful ending. There was this bitter laughter that they each had, but God re redeems that, and he, he brings mirth and, and joy and laughter back to their home. So what does this mean for all of us? What does Abram and Sarah's story mean for us? Uh, maybe it was discouraging to, to know they waited that long. Maybe, maybe you were encouraged by some of it. Uh, but I want to just pull out a few things quickly because as we wrap up um, to, to hopefully give you some encouragement in your own journey. The first thing I want to point out is that waiting is a normal part of the process. Waiting is a normal part of the process with God. There is no one who didn't wait on the promise. Noah had to wait for God to, um, to, to make the flood subside. Hannah waited for Samuel. The Israelites longed and waited for the Messiah that God promised them. Uh, for hundreds of years they waited. And the, the disciples, after Jesus returns to heaven, and, and Jesus says, I'm going to leave you with my Holy Spirit. And the disciples waited. They waited for that gift of the Holy Spirit. Waiting is a natural part of the process. And in fact, I think it's a very relational part of our journey with God because God wants a relationship with us. He wants us to seek him over and over again. And often it's in that waiting, in that wrestling, um, that we have these conversations with God, that we get to know him better, that we're seeking him. And as we're waiting on him, we're going to notice that God wants to speak to us. He wants to speak to us specifically. 
um, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, um, it's, it's not always gonna look exactly the same way. And there's, God's gonna speak to us in a variety of ways. Uh, a lot of times we can get kind of stuck on one way of hearing from God. Maybe we get used to hearing him from in a message or in a worship song or whatever it is. And, and if in my own life, I found that God sometimes shakes things up with me. He, you know, maybe I've gotten used to hearing him one way and he's like, I want you to hear my voice in a new way, in a different way. And will you trust me? And a lot of times it's because he wants to reveal a different part of himself to me, and it's really beautiful. And, and if I'm honest, um, it, it takes practice. There's a part of me that feels silly sometimes learning to listen to God. And there's been times where I've heard, thought I heard from God, and I, I, I later said, God, I, I didn't seem like you did what, what I thought you were going to do, what I thought I heard you say. And God says, you know what, I'm going to redeem that. Just give me, give me that thing you thought you heard, and I want to I wanna explain that to you. I want to make it clear eventually. And it's a process, and it's a wrestle, but it's, but it's good, and God continues to speak to me, and I know he wants to speak to you as well. Um, I also want to point out, again, that, that Abraham and Sarah are both listed in, in the hall of faith in Hebrews. They're like these amazing people of faith that we're meant to look up to, but at the same time, they are human, and they made countless mistakes. And I think it's um, unfortunate when we look at people in the Bible and we think, oh my goodness, they, they had so much faith, they didn't make a mistake, and how can I possibly follow God like they did? And we have to remember that these people were human, that they were human and they, and they made mistakes and God continued to work through them anyway. Because even our doubts and disobedience don't derail God's design. Not even our doubts or disobedience can derail God's design. Once again, the promise does not depend on our performance, but on God. He is faithful. And, uh, you know, I used to think that our, our faith was supposed to be kind of this upward, constant, linear progress. Um, you know, like I become a Christian and I learn about God and then I start following him and then I start doing more things and I hear his voice and then I serve more and I'm supposed to just always be doing more and more and be better and better. And I'm sorry, but that is not, that is not what my journey looks like. And that's clearly not what Abraham's journey looks like or Sarah's. Sometimes I have these moments where I'm like, God is good and I, I can feel him and he's so close to me. And then there's, there's the other moments just like Abram had right after a great moment of faith where, where I'm like, oh my gosh, God, where are you? I can't even hear you. I don't, are, you are you there? Did I ever hear you at all? And maybe you have that in your life and maybe you feel like something's wrong with you because of that. And I just want to encourage you, um, there, there's a point to the, the wrestling. Our, our lives were made to, uh, to be up and down. That is not, doesn't mean something's wrong with you. Um, it is part of the journey. It's part of the process. And so if you're someone who's struggling right now and you're doubting, do not believe for a second that something is wrong with you, that God can't speak to you. Okay, that's part of the process. And in fact, I really believe, I really believe that the wrestling seasons are a necessary part of our journey. That sometimes the wrestling comes before, um, before we see God's hand. It reminds me a little bit of the way that yeast works. Um, so I, my kids love to make pizza. So we make pizza dough and we buy, we buy yeast. And as you know, you have to like work it into the dough and you, you knead it really well. And then once it's all mixed in, you, you have to let it sit. I covered that bowl. I let it sit for half an hour and I come back and the dough has like doubled in size you know what I can I can take that dough I could try to make it rise on my own I could pull it I can stretch it I can twist it nothing's going to happen I cannot force that dough to rise by myself I have to wait and I have to let the yeast work and God is very much like that sometimes there's just this waiting period and God is is moving in, in ways that are mysterious to us but he can do a 
abundantly more than we ask or imagine, right? More than we can manipulate on our own. And yet God works with us. And that wrestling, that kneading of the dough is part of our process with God. And sometimes the wrestling comes before the rising. And so I would just encourage you that um, if you're wrestling with God, if you're, if you're working through something right now and you don't see him working yet, um, just know that that wrestling is important. And God, God sees that and he enjoys us coming to him even when we don't see all the answers from him right away. Continue to bring your struggles and then wait for him to work. And as we close out here, I just want to end with one more point that I feel like is very powerful and positive for us from this story. Um, if, you, if you noticed, as we went through, Abram, on multiple occasions, built an altar to the Lord. It was this, this moment where he was um, building almost like a monument to God, um, to, to worship God, but also just as a reminder of God's faithfulness, as a reminder of what God had promised him. And I think for us, you know, especially in the season of COVID right now, where we're just, it's stretching on forever and we can't see the end in sight, um, or maybe you're waiting on something else and you're just struggling to see God's hand, it helps us so much in these moments to, to have a record, to remember what God has done, to remember his faithfulness, to remember the promises he's already answered for us. Um, and I would challenge you this week, whatever that looks like for you, whether you, you, know, whether you wanna take stones as a family and just and build an altar to God to remember and to praise him, maybe you wanna journal or make a list of all the things God has done for you if you look back over your time with him, over your walk with him. Um, I'm definitely a journaler. I like to write those things down, but I also am very visual. And one thing I've done recently is to create what I call my Ebenezer board. And I have this hanging in my living room now, and I just add pictures from time to time of things that God has done for me, ways that he's blessed me or my family, answers to prayer. Uh, so it could be anything it, you know, as simple as one time I had up here a, a picture of a pair of slippers that someone gave me when I, I, I was looking for a pair of slippers and they randomly gave me some. I have, um, you know, sometimes like when I've gotten medical devices uh, from friends and, and God has answered prayers that way. Um, now I'm able to put up a picture of this, you know, foster child that we have now that we've waited for for so long. Um, and the great thing about something like this is you can do it with your kids too. You can do it as a family um, and ask your kids, what, what picture do you want to put up here? What's a promise that God has answered for us? What's something good he's done for us? Um, now, that might backfire because for me, I have some child stuck up here when I wasn't aware. A picture of Groot, and um, I think that's the Geico gecko. I don't know what that means, but he was thankful for that, so we're going to go with it. I'm not going to hinder that, um, his excitement if he's thankful, um, but, but I would just challenge you, Find a way this week to record what God has done for you, the good things, the, the wonderful things he's done. And it's not just about remembering. It's not just about us. Um, it's also a reminder to us that God is worthy. God is good. God is faithful, even when we can't see all the answers. Um, in this journey that I've had with fostering, with waiting to foster, I believe God has said to me over and over, Carrie, I don't want you just to praise me when you're holding the promise. Don't just praise me at the sight of the promise. You know, if, if Abram waited till he got the promise, he would have waited 24 years to praise God. And God says, no, I want you to praise me at every step of the way, even when you don't see all the answers. God is good, and he's faithful, and he wants to do something amazing in you and through you if we just wait on him. And we can say with the psalmist in Psalm 130, five through six, I will wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word, I put my hope. I will wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning.
God, I just, um, I come to you right now and I, I thank you so much for who you are, for your goodness, for your faithfulness, for, for all the things on this board in my own life, God, that you've done for me. Um, ways that you have blessed and shown favor for all the verses and the, and the words that you've given me that you have um, fulfilled in my own life and even for the things you have yet to fulfill. Um, and I just pray right now, God, over each and every one of us in this COVID season and in, um, in each of our, our waiting seasons. And for some of us, those are very painful places, but I'm asking that you'd meet each and every person right where they are, that you would speak to us, that you'd give us revelation to come boldly before your throne and ask you for what we need, and that we would have more of your presence in that process, God. Um, we love you, and we just pray for more faith and more trust um, as you're working out your plans. Amen.